We're going to be talking about low-income housing tax credits here on Renew Guru, so buckle up, folks. Hello out there in podcast world, this is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. My name is James Owen. I'm the executive director of Renew Missouri, uh, the 501c3 organization working on renewable energy and energy efficiency here in the show me state. We are in the Renew Missouri studios here in Columbia. Uh, Philip Frasica. Hello, happy to be here. We're happy for you to be here too. You have uh, you've come all the way from Kansas City uh, to uh, meet with us and uh, produce this. So we're excited to have you here. And uh, also in the studio, your St. Louis Regional Director and Council for New Missouri, Andrew Lenares. How are you, Andrew? I'm wonderful. Great to be back here at Renew Missouri HQ. I know. I hope you like what we've done with the place. Um, <laughs> massive renovations going on here. Uh, all of that done by me and not by your uh, by your donation. Um, so we. Uh, <laughs> so because I just realized I was making that joke and realized that some people might not think it's funny because they're thinking that I'm going to use <laughs> your money to like do something like really extravagant yeah. with, our, with our office when it's literally. Our office is actually kind of funny. Um, I'll tell this story before we dig into this. But like uh, during like right before the legislative session, they uh, KOMU, the local NBC affiliate, came here to do an interview about the grain belt legislation, and they took a picture of our outside door. And not only do we have our old logo, it's now is like a two year old logo, but it also like it was very obvious it was like taped up. <laughs> and, and so I was looking at that thinking like, huh. I don't know if that really looks like yeah. the image I want to portray here, but then it makes us look thrifty. <laughs> but then I started thinking, like maybe it looks like we're putting all of our money into our talent. Exactly. It's like half of our our full time staff is sitting here at this table. So I hope uh, I hope I hope you're seeing that money come through the airwaves, folks. I, I think the uh, <laughs> the office jacuzzi was a great expense. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought having a Tesla uh, yeah. for our staff car, that's a good too. Yeah. Just kidding. We're not doing that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so we, we did have that. That was kind of funny. But speaking of the legislature, um, we, uh, just a couple weeks ago, got done with the Missouri 2019 legislative session. Um, we, uh, we were involved, uh, like we always are. Uh, you might not have heard as much about it from us during the session because uh, – we were doing twice a week legislative updates to um, our real council, which we're trying to get people interested in and subscribe to. So if you're interested in something like that, you should let us know. And you can like, I mean, we were we were literally giving uh, updates on like when bills were being heard. I mean, we were like doing like really detailed stuff. So if that's interesting to you and you were thinking about giving us money anyway, we can figure out a way to make that work for your budget. So we didn't talk a lot about this stuff to the to our general supporters, but we want to go over kind of what happened with the legislature in 2019 about some of the issues that were being discussed. And we thought that was something that might be useful for you to hear through the summer. So expect a lot of this. <laughs> um, and, and this one, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about uh, an issue that you might hear us discuss a lot with our renews or with some of our other alerts out there, but it's about the low-income housing tax credit. 
now that has been kind of a controversial subject over the past couple of years here in Missouri, and we're going to get into that. Uh, but Andrew, before we get into that, like let's talk a little bit about what that program is and why that should matter to someone who's interested in energy policy. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the Low Income Housing Tax Credit, or LIHTC program, is a federally subsidized program. Okay. And it's essentially a tax credit program designed to incentivize uh, housing developers to preserve uh, their housing for affordable renters. Okay. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of development, obviously, going on across the state and across the country. And, uh, you know, the, the big bucks a lot of the time are in luxury condominiums or, or uh, for a, a market that isn't uh, yeah. conducive to low income. So this is a program designed to make sure that we're meeting the needs of, uh, of a low income population. So it's be safe to say, I mean, basically, since developers are going to be more inclined to build um, housing for people who are, you know, high income, that this is mm-hmm. giving them incentives to deal with for people who are, well, low income. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's a real crisis in the country right now. I think uh, there's a Harvard study that said that 50% of U.S. renters are in moderate crisis mode and maybe a quarter in severe crisis. Which means, like, are they, is that fear that they won't be able to pay their rent the next month or they can't pay their bills or what is that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Over half their income is going to rent, I think, is what crisis means. So So. this is, but this isn't like giving money to developers. This is giving them, like, it's part of the phrase. They're getting a credit. So they'd be building this and they're getting, um, they're getting like, you know, they're getting like money back where they have to pay less taxes. Now, is this, now, I think where it gets confusing is there's federal money that gets involved with this. There's federal taxes that get involved with this, not just state, right? Yes, yes. And there, there's state resources as well, which is what we're going to talk about. Right. The, the, the federal government allocates money to the states. And then the states usually, if, if they're able to, there's a matching that goes on. And the states allocate money to developers through a competitive process. Mm-hmm. And that's dealt with through each state's uh, housing finance agency. And in Missouri, right. that's the Missouri Housing Development Commission, MHTC. Right, right. Okay, so you're, t- so you're, so like in a lot of cases, and I think this is always surprising to people, that a lot of what the state government does, well, not a lot, but like a big, uh, big uh, focus of some, some of the agencies is they administer federal dollars. They administer federal yeah. programs. I mean, those federal programs are promulgated uh, by Congress, signed by the president, deal with federal funds, but then they get kind of managed at the state level because I think the theory being that state uh, state officials and state, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, bureaucrats understand what is needed in each state as opposed to the feds. Correct, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you talk about this commission, the Missouri Housing Development Commission. Now you say, are they the ones who deal with housing for the state of Missouri? Yeah, correct. And with respect to the LIHTC program, they have a qualified application plan or, or QAP. There's a lot of acronyms here, as, as is the case in a the lot TLAs, of The TLAs, as yeah. we say, the three-letter acronyms that we That's have right. in this world. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the QAP tells uh, developers what criteria their, their applications are going to be judged on. Right. And in Missouri and, and a lot of other states, but especially Missouri, the, the uh, tax credit dollars here for the LIHTC program are very competitive. Right. Um, people have a very hungry appetite for tax credits, so mm-hmm. um, the details of those QAPs are, are extremely important to folks, and there's a big waiting list. And even before uh, that program got zeroed out, which we're going to talk about, right. um, it was uh, there, there was a uh, understanding that there weren't enough resources uh, already. So. so, I mean, would that be a matter of saying that they need to issue more tax credits? They need to have more uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, what a lot of states do, and Missouri is different than, say, New York City. New York City's uh, light tech program is smaller than what Missouri's used to be. But, of course, they have about a billion dollars in uh, rental aid, rental yeah. assistance, right? Missouri has far less of that, uh, almost none. So, yeah. Uh, so those resources can be spent in different ways. But for various reasons, light tech is an extremely good investment because your um, – it, especially for people like seniors, you're able to uh, save them money each month on their rents. You know, the, the incentivizing these developers to keep af- properties affordable ends up lowering rents for uh, all of these renters, and they're able to uh, avoid having to go on all sorts of other state and federal programs. Yeah. So yeah. all sorts of other assistance programs, they can avoid those expenses, and it's a net positive for the state. So. And so kind of getting into why a group like Renew Missouri cares about this, it is because if they are able to have some money freed up to, um, you know, have this like reduced rent or have these other things, they have more money to spend on their electricity. Right. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And in general, just uh, we are we're very interested in the housing issue uh, as it relates to energy. You know? Right. Um there's a lot of things that homeowners and business owners can do uh, with their energy. They can go solar. They can invest it in virtual PPAs and stuff. Mm-hmm. They can do major energy efficiency retrofits. And for renters, particularly low-income renters, all of that is much harder. Yeah. Nearly impossible because they don't own their units. So yeah, right. That's a particular problem we're focused on at Renew Missouri. Because one thing that you do, because you're, you're kind of a person who's really, really focused on energy efficiency for our organization. Um you're the state director for the Energy Efficiency for All group, which is a natural, national group. Uh, you work a lot with the National Housing Trust. You work with a lot of like local housing advocates. I mean, we do a lot of work with things like LIHEAP, weatherization. And so, I mean, like LIHEAP is basically where we have a subsidy for people who can't afford uh, their um, can't afford their um, their uh, their utility bills sometimes. Right, so there's a right. crisis situation there, but weatherization is also a program that like goes to helping make sure those properties, low income properties, housing, everything else has uh, energy efficiency measures put there that where their bill is going to go down. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah. and um, you know, there's two when when you're looking at uh, a high utility bill for a renter or someone who's who's lower income. There are two different ways you can go at it. You could say, "Well, let's help them out. Let's let's give them energy assistance each month, right. or, or bill assistance to uh, take away a part of their bill and free up money to do other things, pay rent, buy food, healthcare." Or you could do a more sort of permanent approach, which is more capital intensive on the front end, and involves the utility, which is you're making upgrades to their units. You're right. making them permanently more efficient, which is a you know recurring savings each month and that's our focus that's right yeah Yeah, i mean all these things all kind of work together Mm -hmm. and so when we're talking about um all of these programs and we're talking about all the state and federal cooperation we really can't do i mean it's hard to do these things without having them all kind of working symbiotically that's right right so okay so that kind of gives us uh, philip do you have anything to add you do a lot of work on this yeah i was just gonna say and Tying this to the QAP and that conversation, the qualified allocation plan and the housing side of things, many states in the country have a point system on how those credits are awarded and some of which value energy efficiency. Oh. And we are not one of those states. So that's something we would like to see 
and see developers being incentivized to do efficiency to get these tax credits awarded. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, we, we, we're long-term focused on that in making sure that the QAP uh, values energy efficiency that the applicant is planning to do. That should be a part of the selection procedure. But, of course, right now we don't even have a program, and that is uh, the far more uh, you know well, timely need that... that uh, we're dealing with so let's dig into that okay so okay so you mentioned the missouri housing development commission this is this group that administers this they make decisions about tax credits and that sort of thing okay so when we talk about who's on this commission you might ask yourself well who's on it okay well one person that's on it is the governor that's right of the state of missouri lieutenant governor uh treasurer uh attorney general secretary of state um is the auditor on it? I can't remember. I mean, I, I think she's on it. It might be, yeah. I mean, I say she. Nicole Galloway is the state auditor right now. She was just reelected to a four-year term back last November. Um, I think, I mean, I'm almost certain I can say confidently, and this shows you how much show prep I was doing, that all the elected state office holders are on this committee. But then there's also people that have been appointed by the governor as well. Correct. Right? Well, there's three of them. They're yes, appointed by the governor. Yes. There's eight people on this commission, I think, because all the statewide office holders. There's five uh, statewide office holders. Someone want to check my math out there? There might be nine. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> let me check here. <laughs> oh, folks, you're watching. Uh, you're watching podcast magic happen before your eyes. Um, I can't confirm that there are three appointed positions there. Right. Oh, well, that's helpful. I mean, that I already knew, Philip. No, I'm just kidding. Right. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to you. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who is about, okay, so uh, about us. I'm going to go to this one. No, that's contact us. I, I should contact them, email them, ask them who's on it, and then we can like just fill dead time uh, until they, they email us back. Wouldn't that be fun? Here we go. There, there are eight. There you go. I should have stuck eight. with my answer, right? Yeah. Yes. That was your gut instinct. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, okay, so, okay, the governor, lieutenant governor, state treasurer, attorney general, and, yeah, so the, uh, so the secretary of state and the, uh, auditor are not on this committee, commission. So, okay, well, now we all learn something together. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, (laughs) okay, uh, but then, like, but really the governor has... You know, a lot of power on this because they appoint those three Absolutely, commissioners. Yeah. And outsized influence, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. So, um, for those of you who have not been following Missouri politics, we've had kind of an interesting couple of years <laughs> uh, with, with, our, with our political leaders. Okay, so in 2016, uh, by, a, by a big surprise, uh, Eric Greitens uh, became our governor. Mm-hmm. Um, While campaigning on this issue. Yes. And he, okay, okay, that's right. And he said he thought that these low-income housing tax credits were bad. I mean, basically he said they were crooked, they were corrupt. Uh, I mean, he said like pretty much every negative thing you could say about these things. He was convinced that they were really, you know. Yeah, a way for developers to, to grift the system or something like that. And there's, yeah. there's arguments about uh, how much value the state actually gets out of there. You know, depending on whether you're taking into account uh, you know, subsidies and uh, program savings that result, you right? Know, that it, your your answer is different, and um, yeah. So he gets sworn in in January of 2017. Um, he gets put on this commission. He's able to appoint commissioners, and there was a question about whether or not. And and this is something I think this is one of those scandals about 
Eric Reitens that, for reasons we'll get into again, there were a lot of scandals with him. And this is one that like people kind of forget about. He was appointing people to these as kind of acting commissioners because when you get appointed to a commission like this, you also had to be approved by the Senate. Now, if the Senate's not in session, uh, which the Senate, by the way, only meets from January to May of, of every year, and they meet sometimes in September for the veto session, um, they aren't in most of the year. So I think his idea was, I'm going to put these people in there that will do what I want. They have not received Senate approval, and they're going to vote my way. And so he did that. I think he probably put two in there that did that. So then in November of 2017, the Missouri Housing Development Commission, with these new appointed acting commissioners, uh, vote. Mm-hmm. And doesn't like Greitens kind of come in as the governor and say, I want to vote to like discontinue this. Zero out the program. That's Zero right. out the program. Yeah. Right? So, and that passed. Absolutely. Yeah, it did. I think uh, he voted for it. Um, Holly, Josh Holly, who's now a U.S. Senator, who was Attorney General at the time, voted for it. Uh, and his, the, his three votes. His, his, the three commissioners. The two people that voted against it were Eric Schmidt, who at the time was state treasurer, and Mike Parson, who was at the time the lieutenant governor. Yep. Now, this, um, this was really shocking because, um, I mean, okay, we... we I think, you know, we could probably have someone on here to debate whether or not this system worked, if it was too pro-developer, whatever. Uh, But I think it's safe to say, and I don't think I'm stepping on any toes by saying that people who make money doing these tax, who make money off these tax credits and do this work are a very politically viable force in Jefferson City. Absolutely. Safe to say? Yes, most definitely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so when this happened... Uh, they were really not happy. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I think that everyone saw it coming because they knew that Greitens had campaigned. As you said, he had campaigned against these. He had uh, talked a lot of rhetoric about this, and then he got these people appointed that had not been approved by the Senate. Um, there are supporters of this program in the Senate uh, who probably would have balked a little bit at these people that he had appointed because they knew what they were going to do. And so this happens, and then everyone kind of freaks out. Um, they don't know what they're going to do. They've got Eric Greitens there. He is going to be basically someone that, as far as anybody can tell, isn't going to move anywhere on this. Like, even if the legislature were to reform it. And I think there was a lot of people saying, like, it needed to be reformed. Now, I mean, maybe you can get into this a little bit. Like, what when you hear people, I mean, I know we're advocating for this, and we think this program is good, and we think this is helpful, and we think this has helped a lot of low-income residents. I mean, what are some of the valid criticisms you've heard of this program? Sure. Well, the ones that you think are arguable, anyway. Sure. Um, well, you know, one of the things that people are really keen on, that it, and it was discussed in the House this year, is having a sort of a transparent scoring rubric. Okay. Um, and making sure that uh, the tax credits are being u- truly used to preserve affordable housing and not yeah. just used by people who are already there in the space yeah. and they're, they're going to... Because, I mean, there are... Do, there are there, they, these don't, they don't have to use this for low-income housing forever. Correct. Right? It's 10 years. 10 cycle. years. And there's also folks who wanted to shorten that up so that there would be a more turnover. So shorten it to six years Yeah, what was discussed yeah. in the House. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... Yeah, so I mean, there are there were probably things that you could have worked on to make this better, more transparent. Yeah, um, you know, make sure it was really focused on. 
uh, providing uh, housing for these residents. Of course, we're, we're, we were at the table saying um, there should be certain energy requirements, or at yeah. least part of the scoring rubric should say, hey, how efficient are you planning to make your units? Right. Are you going to make you know, solar options available or, or, or whatnot? So, yeah. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, we've heard from some developers that they had projects denied because they were too expensive and they had energy efficiency included in mm. the building. So it would really show that value and also to the point of getting the most value out of our dollars in the program that is increased with energy efficiency and other programs that are valued that we know create savings hence another reason we're interested in this subject that's right okay so but i think that everyone was pretty aware of the fact that if eric Ryans was governor and any reform went through it had to be pretty significant and I just and I and I think there was a belief that as long as Eric Reitens was governor, nothing was going to happen with this, and this was going to be a dead program. So cue to two months later. <laughs> now I'm not a big conspiracy guy, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> okay, two months later, uh, there were allegations that came out that Eric Reitens had uh, basically sexually abused and blackmailed a uh, lover of his while he was married. He is married, and he's got three kids, and this woman who was his hairstylist uh, had basically been, you know, there were some pretty serious accusations made against mm-hmm. the governor. Uh, this all came out, and <laughs> there were some people, I have talked to people, who believe that the drumbeat to get these allegations out there might have been some of these developers. That they were really upset about this. I'm totally getting us in trouble. I don't know. <laughs> I I mean, this is just what I've heard, okay? And because there was a lot of, like, weird things that went on with this because, like, uh, like a lawyer that was making these accusations got $50,000 delivered to him by Scott Fawn, who runs a newspaper in Jefferson City, who's one of its big uh, advertisers, is a bank in Poplar Bluff that does this kind of loaning and everything else. And, well... I'm just saying that next thing you know, Eric Greitens is not governor anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, because, I mean, it is it is a year ago to this week that he resigned. Yeah, amazing. He came out the, uh, I think it was the, the Tuesday after Memorial Day, and then he was gone by that Friday. Pretty stunning. Uh, so he went from literally being in 2016 when he got elected to being someone that a lot of people thought was going to run for president someday to resigning mm-hmm. in a year and a half. Um, and one of the big controversial things he did was getting rid of this program. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get us back on more solid footing here because I know I'm just... I, I mean, you hear all this gossip, this salaciousness. <laughs> Who knows if any of it's true? So, okay, so now Mike Parson, who was one of the votes to save this, <laughs> is now governor. Mm-hmm. And he is currently governor. and He's been governor for about a year now. Um, I think the general consensus on him is that, yes, he's a, rel- he's a pretty conservative governor, but he's competent and he does a good job with this. But he was a believer that he wanted the legislature to bring this program back. He said there were things they could do differently, there were things that could be improved, and he wanted the legislature to do it. And he kind of made comments before the legislative session started in January saying, um, I want to see that process done through, uh, through the House and the Senate. So then, um, in pre-filing, because we have a month uh, before uh, the session opens where you can file legislation, 
Uh, Senator Hageman, who uh, was who is the Senate Appropriations Chair, very powerful um, senator from Northwest Missouri, um, he files a bill uh, that kind of reintroduces low-income yeah. housing tax credits. And so, what? Tell me a little bit about what that was. What yeah. was in that bill? So that proposal, which was in the Senate, as you said, it it um, it essentially would have reinstated the program at seventy-two point five percent of the federal cap so so it, it was previously at 100 percent. they would have reinstituted reinstituted you know about three-fourths of what the program was and a couple other reform provisions and what does that percentage mean when you say that 72 percent that 72 some odd percent what was it what is that really like a, what is that representing yeah that's representing the portion of uh that the federal government is uh Contributing along with the state matching. Funds. Okay, right. Okay, so yeah. that restores a lot of this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and I think a lot of people said, okay, this is getting pre-filed. This is coming from a very influential lawmaker, especially one that's involved with the budget process. This will be good. Yeah. This will work. And I mean, there were a lot. There are a lot of Republican conservative lawmakers who are very skeptical of this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were very. Um, organized and noisy during the session. They were called the Conservative Caucus. There were about six of them out of 34. So if they wanted to block something, they had some leeway to do that. And they did on on some things. They had concerns about this. They believed that it should have been less than 72%. Mm -hmm. They believed that it should have had more transparency to it. But a lot of work was put into this, especially at the beginning of the session. I mean, I think it ended up like passing 31-0 in the Senate. That's right. It passed unanimously in February. So there's yeah. a lot of runway to, to get something done in the House. So a lot of people thought, this is good. This is going to happen. So then it gets to the House. Mm-hmm. But um, there's changes there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they Did they lower it? Did they lower it? They, they brought it down even further, didn't they? Yeah, it was dealt with in two separate committees, the Economic Development Committee and the General Laws Committee, I believe, and... They, they uh, came up with a compromise. Uh, uh, there was a couple proposals. One of them was, as I said, to shorten the credit period from 10 to 6 years, um, a reduction in the uh, dollar amounts authorized over the next 8 years, and some more transparency in the scoring rubric, uh, some more ability for developers to trade the credits in different ways um, after they're awarded. So there was a number of these things were being batted around, and the, the House eventually uh, arrived on some sort of uh, some sort of reform and compromise bill. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, so this is a classic issue that you get into when you're talking about the legislature. So... The Senate votes on one version of this. Mm-hmm. The House votes on a different, mm-hmm. uh, different version of this. But before it can be sent to the governor, they have to have. If it's on the same topic, they need to make sure it is. You know, it's it's something that everyone agrees to. That like both chambers have to vote on it. So they usually send it to a conference committee where they have people that sit down and talk about what they should keep in there, mm-hmm. what they should take out. But for whatever reason, that never happened here. Right. So. What do we think happened? Why didn't it happen? Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, it, when it did pass the House, there was another version that passed the House. And again, it was an overwhelming majority. I think it was like 144 to 7 or something. Yeah. So you had a situation where you have the gov- the sitting governor saying he wants the program reinstated yeah. in some yeah. way. You have the Senate unanimously passing a version of the bill. You have the House 
overwhelmingly passing another version of yeah. the bill. Let's point out they're all from the same party. They're all, all led by Republicans, party. right? Okay. Correct, yeah. So this, sh- I mean, so, but... Yeah, but it didn't happen. And yeah. I mean, and so like what was interesting, okay, so we just got done with the legislative session about two weeks ago. It'll be two weeks ago from tomorrow. Uh, if this comes out today, which I guess now I'm like dating this, but whatever, who cares? We can edit yeah. this out. Um, you know, so we have the last week, and I mean like by the Missouri Constitution, the legislature has to be done by 6 o'clock on like the third Friday of May. So there's not like a way to just kick this down the road. So Governor Parson, uh, in an interview with the Kansas City Star, uh, right before the end of the session, kind of came out and said, like, well, um, I think I could do this myself if the legislature's not going to do anything. He yeah, said that, right? Yeah, basically giving a sense of urgency to the right. houses to get this done. And moreover, I mean, I'll tell you, like, when, the thing about the last day of session is it's very chaotic. And, and this year was particularly chaotic uh, because you had two filibusters that occurred in the Senate uh, the week, the last week of the session, there was one that was involving um, some incentives, uh, tax incentives, some tax breaks that were going to go to General Motors to build uh, about a billion dollars worth of additional plant in St. Charles County for their car plant there. And there was also, you might have heard about this in the national news, there was a very restrictive abortion law that Missouri was contemplating. It was going to be six weeks. It's called mm-hmm. the Heartbeat Bill. It was going to basically imprison doctors if they did this. Um, and so that caused three days of filibuster. Yeah. Right? So when you're talking about they come in Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock and they have to leave by Friday at 6 and you have three days eight up on those two issues, um, this a lot of things got lost in the shuffle. Now, what's interesting about this is at like 4.45 on Friday, they stopped to have a conference committee about this bill and still nothing. Mm-hmm. Happened. <laughs> right. So now six o'clock rolls along and this low income housing tax credit reform, restoring it. Uh, Which enjoyed, you know, in various forms, enjoyed bipartisan wide, support, widespread support. And it's now nowhere. I mean, like they can reintroduce it next year, but that's not till January. Yeah. And it's unclear whether the governor is going to make good on his his. Uh, Statement that he wants to take action without the legislature. Right, because I mean, clear what I that guess, would look like. Because I guess here's the thing. And here's just like, you you know this stuff pretty well. I mean, like, okay, like, you're the Missouri Housing Development Commission. You see that the legislature has done this. Can't you, I mean, if you took them away, can't you restore them? I suppose, yeah. And it's not clear what that would look like. But uh, I, I suppose there probably is a, a way to, to restore these. And Right. I mean, I, I think that there's probably an administrative way of doing it. Now, I understand that. People that I mean, I think I understand the legislative route was taken because there were people who wanted to see it fixed yeah. and they wanted to see things change. But I think you could just, if you just wanted to bring it back without those fixes, you probably could. Yeah, I don't know if it would need an eventual vote in you know a, a appropriation from the legislature. Yeah. Maybe well, down it the is line. money from the yeah, yeah. I mean that's true. But uh, but yeah, you certainly could take the vote and. Uh, lead the charge in, yeah. in terms of the, you know, the intention to restore this program. And, and as we know, I mean, the, the need is there for sure. As, as we I mean, said, isn't there like a hundred thousand people that are on a waiting list right now. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean like legitimately, I mean, look, this state is not, <laughs> we're not, we're not adding more jobs and becoming more robust. I mean, right. we do have 
um, a lot of poverty in the state, uh, in the cities and in rural uh, parts of the state. I mean, I know a lot of people's concerns are that they don't see that these programs benefit rural areas, and the Missouri legislature is very rural-focused, and so that's a concern. I know that there are federal efforts to expand that into rural areas, and I think that's important, and we support that as well. Um, but I, I think there was a sense that if the legislature had a hand in this, it would it would be less messy. Mm. But I think you could very easily just do it. It would be messy, and you would have a fallout, but I think that's a possibility. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, you know, another thing here to, to consider is that there's a tendency to think uh, think of folks who are, you know, surfing along on uh, government subsidy or whatever as, you know, cheating the system or something that are not competing correctly. But I think we have to realize that people who are in real estate, who are making investment decisions right. in real estate, they've got a choice to go one way or to go the other way. And um, based on the need that we have here in this state and many other places in the country, we really anything we can do to nudge them in the de- in the direction of preserving housing for affordable, right. uh, you know, for for low income folks, it's really important. Otherwise, there's just there's very little incentive to keep that housing around. You're not yeah. I mean, so. you're not. I mean, like by definition, if you're catering to low income uh, yeah. uh, tenants and customers. Well, there's not a lot of disposable income they're yeah. working with. <laughs> yeah, and especially when when considering the state budget as a whole, you're able actually to show a savings to the state. Right, and, yeah. right. I so. mean, and there are people who make money off of this. I mean, right. this is these people who build these uh, projects, build this housing, they employ contractors. They employ those contractors, employ subcontractors. There are energy and electricity jobs that go along with yeah. it. There's a lot of indirect economic benefit that come from this. This is not just yeah. like us saying like, oh, we should be altruistic and help the poor. I mean, obviously yeah. there is a big motivation for that, but there is also these other benefits we get. Yeah, and savings from other, you know, social services programs that are become uh, obsolete or un- unnecessary when you're able to, you know, save people money on their rent. So so there's, there's going to continue to be a need here that unfortunately the legislature did not uh, satisfy, um, and it'll... We'll, we'll we'll see what MHTC decides to do uh, between the sessions here. Yeah. But you know, in the meantime, it just makes our work in energy efficiency for uh, because you know, affordable we, we housing. We do that work. It makes it even more important. So we're yeah. we're going to continue working with utilities on energy efficiency programs. Uh, we're really happy with the the multifamily and the single-family low-income programs that uh, Ameren, Missouri just got through. We just, was, we just worked on a settlement that you worked very hard on those low-income programs. Our group worked very hard to get their whole filing pushed through because we really liked what Ameren was doing. It was very ambitious. It was very aggressive. It was very long-term. It allowed people working with us to kind of understand what the next six years would look like as opposed to the next three years. That's right. There were regulators, regulators in Jefferson City who balked at that, uh, to avoid this from being completely thrown out, we reached resolution that it was really good. I mean, I think the low-income stuff is really good. The other programs aren't as good, but I think they're better than nothing. And so we're happy about that. You're doing that work with KCPNL right now. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Renew Missouri is is doing some of that larger work, and I'm I'm working on uh, the low-income portions right now. Uh, we were a little stalled out by. Some pushback from regulators and others. On the same issue. On the same issues, right. That's the same issue. And, you know, the overall issue here is what is our approach as a state to energy efficiency? You know, we energy efficiency is sort of a truism in the industry. It is the 
lowest cost resource for a utility to invest in. We continue to think that that's true. Uh, and particularly for low income people, if you're able to save, you know, in the common areas of, uh, of multifamily buildings and in the units, if you're able to save money by doing a retrofit, that's a, a permanent savings that mm. tenants can use to pay rent. And that's going to reduce uh, turnover. That's going to allow them to uh, invest, you know, in, in healthcare and uh, it's going to make them healthier as well. There's there's all these ripple effects that happen when you're able to save someone from a chronic, uh, you know, high energy bill. Yeah, that, and energy efficiency could be the the tool. I that mean, does this that. is this is an issue that touches poverty. This touches public health. This touches, uh, you know, uh, urban planning and zoning. Um, this course, is one, climate as well. And of course, climate. I mean, yeah. one of the things we like to say around here is the best kind of renewable energy is energy you don't use. Um, and so that's important. So I mean, like, so like people listening, I mean, what can they do to like get involved with this? What should they be doing to be aware of this? How can they talk to their uh, their 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 policymakers and lawmakers yeah. about this? What would you tell someone to do? Well, there's a group called Renew Missouri that I think you should oh, follow. Oh, I've heard of them. <laughs> so I've been here for two years. <laughs> I've been I've been two years here, today. Uh, two years. Yeah. Today, uh, yes, that uh, I took over the reins of this from PJ Wilson. Yeah. Um, we got a cake in the other room. It's I'm going to jump right out of it later. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> going to be my treat to everybody else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're so I mean we've been doing a lot of exciting work on yeah. this. Our, and in the past several years, before I got here, you had already been leading the charge on making energy efficiency more of a focus of our group. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, from a policy perspective, from a perspective of working on just energy in general, that efficiency is a big part of what we do. Yeah. So one thing you can do is hopefully follow us and we'll, we'll try to keep you up to date on all these issues. Um, and give we, us money. And give us money, of course. <laughs> we've got a, a website, a little website we've created called, uh, Philip has been very instrumental in yeah. this. It's called uh, Missouri Saves, www.mosaves.com. Yeah. That'll tell you all the existing efficiency programs in the state. Uh, you can search by your zip code. You can look at the low-income programs. And that's not just for electricity. It's also thanks to our friends at Spire. Uh, you can look for gas efficiency programs on there as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of times, for certain measures, you can get a, uh, you can get an incentive from both the electric and the gas company yeah. for insulation, for example. So, and so one that, thing you're trying to do is make sure all those programs for gas and electricity, even though they're coming from a different company, are kind of coming from one source, so it's easy to get those. Yes. Easy to get those programs signed up. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so uh, you can visit that, and if you're a homeowner or something, or a, a small business owner, uh, you'll that should be pretty made pretty straightforward for you. In the context of a building owner or a manager of rental housing, um, we really want to make sure that you are uh, in touch with your utility. We think that both Ameren and hopefully soon, you know, by by the this summer, KCPL will have really really robust programs. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And, you know, reaching out to uh, the staff at those utilities, they have great implementers on staff. They will, they're committed to making it really easy on you. Um, if you're an owner of housing, it's hard to see the benefit or find the time to replace a boiler or an HVAC system or, you know, if you, since you're not paying your tenant's utility bill to, to go into the unit and button it up, get new appliances and stuff. Right. But we really think that the uh, utility is able to make the value proposition here. You're able, If you're able to re increase your tenant's comfort, 
make sure that they're not leaving the unit because they can't pay both their rent and their efficiency bill, um, make them healthier, you know, um, all of these things. It, it, it is a net savings, we believe. And plus, there's common area uh, savings for the for the right. owner or the manager of buildings to uh, see a return from. So, And there's all sorts of lending options uh, or borrowing options so that you don't have to meet that upfront cost. So we're, we're hoping that this sort of one-stop shop model of right. utility efficiency programs bears out uh, for building owners. And uh, I hope you check it out. And yeah, yes, Philip. And if you are a low-income individual, um, you can also check out your local community action agency and the Lyheap weatherization oh, yeah. program can help you. Right. Um, and if you're in the case of being in a larger multifamily property, you should encourage your building owner to look at the utility programs. Oh, gee whiz, thanks. That was helpful. And what do they want to learn more about EFA? Is there like a website for that? Sure. We actually have a newly revamped uh, national Ooh. national website. So yeah. EFA is a national coalition uh, across 12 states. We're made up of uh, energy, clean energy advocates and housing advocates, um, some health groups, uh, a, a nice smattering of uh, advocates and uh, you know housing developers and folks. Who are working on this uh, specific problem, affordable multifamily energy efficiency. So uh, yeah, you can visit EFA Energy Efficiency for All, our new national website, and you can check out our Missouri Coalition webpage oh, great. to get more information. Yeah. So what are we going to be doing that for another year, we think? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, Andrew, thank you. Thank that you. That was enormously informative. I hope everyone learned everything about this because, I mean, I honestly... Uh, it is really, I mean, like one of the things, like I say, I've been here for two years. It's amazing, like how much of what we do does have an impact on all these other policy things. And I think it's important when you're talking about, well, I only care about the environment or I only care about issues affecting poverty. These things can work together. And this is a great example of that. And we do hope that, uh, we do hope in case you're listening, Governor Parson, uh, that you'll consider doing something with this program. And we hope if you're a legislature, you'll consider doing that as well. Philip. Thank you again for all you do and for producing. And thank you all for supporting Renew Missouri and supporting Renew Gurus. If you like what you hear today, share it on your social media feed. Go subscribe on iTunes or uh, Spotify and write a review. Don't write a bad review uh, because that doesn't help us. So if you don't like this, well, then just stop listening. We're not making you do this. Um, on behalf of Renew Missouri and on behalf of Renew Gurus, this is James Owen. Thank you again. And hey... Stay classy, Missouri.